Cass died. Kill it. If you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, it is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred, and as always, I've got my gracious co-host, Chris, the uncontested creator, Gossidus! What's up, man? Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy... You the animals? You feel, yeah, you feel the animals. Happy, uh, Happy Star Wars Holiday Special... Ooh, if, the bad one that, that got made in, what, 78? Yeah, and, you know, for those people, and this is just, okay, so first of all, this episode is going to be all Star Wars The Last Jedi. We're going to do a review, we're going to do some trivia, we're going to do behind the scenes, we're going to do fan, fan reaction, we're going to give away an X-Wing. Lighting the Christmas tree. Uh, but for those of you who, and, and everyone's entitled to your opinion, but it's also wrong, but you're Whoa. also entitled to it. But it's if, cool to be wrong. For the people that think The Last Jedi is the worst thing to ever happen to Star Wars, go watch the holiday special and come back. <laughs> like, I, I watched part of it, like part of it the other day. My intention was to watch the whole thing. That's not a thing that a person should do. No. So I watched part of it. It's real bad. B. Arthur's in there. Yep. That's, that's a little, that's kind of fun, but uh, it's real weird. It's real, real weird. It's real terrible. Uh, anyway. Doesn't like Chewbacca's family, like one of the family members, have like a drinking problem or some shit? <sighs> yeah, I think I for, so. I forget. I think so. Yeah, he's got like, yeah, he's got like the whole, there's like a whole, like, there's a whole family. He's real depressed on his life day. Yeah. Just drinking away his sorrows and blue milk. Yeah. Man, ah, forgot about the green milk. Ooh. That's gonna that's gonna be coming later, uh, but yeah, uh, we're coming to you from a galaxy not so far away, um, and this is gonna be the last Jedi. So let's just jump into it now. Normally, we do the flashback uh, thing with with the movies with the reviews, and where we do a flash flash versus, uh-huh. and then it's you know we we kind of recap the movie. You're saying but, we a lot. Well, it's mostly you. I did it once. I did a shambling job of it one time. That was fun. But, you know, you said you wanted to try something a little different. So let's give this a swing. Uh Uh-huh. What do you got? What do you got? What's the premise? Let's do the movie Mm -hmm. through the eyes of the characters, like kind of through the character arcs. Okay. But in, in, in terms of a holiday treat for the fans out there, the CBCU, Let's do it in in a haiku form. Oh. Which oh, no. everyone oh. knows that when you think of Christmas and Santa Claus and trees <laughs> and gifts and candy canes and sugar plums <laughs> and haikus all go together. Oh, it's a more mystical poem. Oh. So, Chris, whenever you're ready. Oh, God. Feel free to jump oh. in. No real time limit, but I will... I'm going to take an I, hour. I will start making porg sounds at you at one at one point or another <laughs> well, if you well, take too long. 
Yeah, no worries. Fill me in. Uh, who would you like to see done first? Uh, let's go. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Finn uh-huh. and or Finn and Rose. Finn oh, okay. and Rose, or Finn and Rose. However you want to group them, that's up to you. All right, all right. Let me let me think. There's a lot. A lot happens. Uh, some people in the some reviews have already or some quote unquote reviews. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, real quick. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. We're we're no pretense here. Everyone's seen this movie. You've seen it more yeah. than once. Everyone's seen it more than once. Uh, I mean, you know, y'all listening out there. If you haven't seen the movie, go see it, then come back. We're gonna we're not gonna try to not spoil it for you. So, moving forward. Right. Uh, okay. Huh. All right. <laughs> so I'm trying to process. So many different things happen to Finn in this movie. Uh, Finn still alive and trying to run finds a friend. That's the first two lines. Okay. Um, good. Becomes rebel scum is the last line. Uh, Finn, Finn's still alive, trying to run, finds a friend, becomes rebel scum. Uh, Finn, in the beginning of this movie, he he's in a comatose state. He gets up, he kind of he comes back to life, uh, meets Poe again. Uh, his first question is, "Where's Ray?" Uh, he's still very isolated in his thinking. <laughs> uh, he's been built up like some sorts of legends already started to form around him. He's a hero of the rebellion. The, the Finn. He's the yeah. Finn. He's the Finn. Uh, he, <laughs> he has a definite article. Yeah. <laughs> but his first idea is about Ray. He's still insular in his thinking about just himself and Ray, just saving those two people in this whole universe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his motivation to try and run away from the resistance. Uh, he meets Rose, who's just doing her duty, kind of manning, uh, making sure everything, uh, nobody gets into the escape pods and <laughs> kind of just books it away, um, sensing the, the impending danger. And she ends up, you know, she, she tells him that he. She loves what he's done for the resistance. Right. Um, and then she sees that he's trying to escape and she zaps him the same as any other deserter. Um, towards the end, they, they have a, they have a B plot in the movie. Um, it's kind of a heist gone wrong. Yeah. And uh, at the end of it, his, his character is fully developed. He turns around. He's actually part of the rebellion <laughs> now. He, he, no worries. He, he's full, on, full in the rebellion. He takes on Phasma herself. And he's committed to the cause now. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a uh, yeah, good concise uh, thing there. Uh, you know, interesting thing about Finn, real quick. In the first film, we see him try to take on, <coughs> pardon me, take on my throat here. Uh, take on one of the troopers who who calls him traitor, and he he gets beat down pretty good. Uh, this time, taking on Phasma, uh, maybe maybe shows a physical representation of his growth. Like mm-hmm. not even just taking on somebody who would be his peer, but somebody who would be his superior. Right. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching there. Maybe um, superior. <coughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do another one? Uh yeah. Which one which one's up next? Okay, let's go let's go um let's go Poe Dameron. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, it, in the edit, you can put some sort of funny music over this. <laughs> I'm still trying to think. No, no, no. Right. I'm gonna. Uh, I told you, I'm gonna make pork sounds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's helpful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh, no, it's fine. All right, all right, all right. Um, Poe, the ace pilot, rashly 
loses many lives, um, becomes a leader. There you go. Yeah. Um, so at the begin, we start off with Poe kind of uh, taking on the First Order almost single-handedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, buying, buying some time for the Resistance to maneuver the way they need to, to jump to hyperspace. And um, and he sees, an, he sees an opening. He goes for it. He, he loses a lot of the, I think, all of the bombers that the Rebel Alliance, has, Rebel Resistance has. And um, all to get one dreadnought blown out of the sky, which is great. It happens. Except, you know, a ship ten times bigger comes right after that <laughs> to pose a more a looming threat. And throughout this film, Poe is just kind of meeting up. Meet, he's finding out how far his resolve goes. He, he's committed to trying to destroy the First Order, except it's costing more and more lives. And he he, um, he comes up against the brick wall of Holdo, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo, played by Laura Dern. And she lets him have it. I mean, she, 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 he was demoted by Leia because he lost a lot of lives. And she doesn't find any, any place in the chain of command for him now because he's like a captain. Like, have fun flying, but that's about it. Um, he tries some mutiny. Uh, in, in the subsequent kind of following beats um, that happen in the story, he, he, he figures out that, oh, you, brash decisions and the recklessness is fine when you're, you know, a grunt, but to be a leader, to kind of, like, make sure everybody... See the bigger to, picture. Yeah, to to see the big to make sure everybody comes out alive. That and that requires a little bit of thinking. So that's his arc, kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, that's great. Uh, all right, let's moving on. Let's do Kylo Ren. Oh, good God! Uh, cue the porg sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really how you think they sound? <laughs> it's like a vuvuzela, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's the World Cup in Brazil all over again. <laughs> like, uh, it's that's all I got. So that's, was, that's my contribution uh, to this uh, podcast. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the dark side is strong. Kylo and Ray share a lot. He takes off his shirt. Ah. <laughs> uh. He does. It's a bit of it's a bit of beefcake that, over there. Yeah, yeah, that's the fan service that nobody expected or uh, wanted? Question or, mark. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure half or more wanted it. No, actually, I have a few friends that I know were very happy about that particular scene. <laughs> so, Kylo's uh, insanely interesting. Um, I think you keep on bringing back to the point that he this him and Ray, he and ray are like the the two foci of this new trilogy and it's great because these characters yeah. are so interesting um one we're, thing I we're gonna touch more on that in once we talk about sort of the ownership of this movie and the fan oh, reaction but sure. yes we'll definitely come back to that um yeah um crazy force shit just happens to him it must have it's probably it's been happening to him all his life he's kind of used to it mm-hmm. ray's still figuring it out mm-hmm. um yeah, it, the, where the film leaves them is an amazing place uh, to continue on from. Yeah, I mean, you can you can spoil it. Like, we're it's fine. Like, if you want to just throw that uh, out where he is at the end of the movie. No, he's listened to return. He, he's listened to to run the jewels. It, he knows "Kill Your Masters" is one of the main edicts. Yeah. Uh, he's done so. Uh, he's the lone Sith if he if he chooses to claim that title. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's not, that's an even better question is. Does does he even want to claim that? And I, I, I mean, just my opinion. I don't think he does. Right. I think he wants to do something different. Yeah, to 
to bastardize a quote from Emerson, uh, power is its own excuse for being. So I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting with Kylo Ren uh, because we initially get introduced uh, to him coming into Snoke's uh, chamber, this really cool like red chamber. And, um, uh, you know, he, he has the mask on. And he's like talking to Snoke, and Snoke literally tells him, "Take that ridiculous thing off." Mm. And he and he and he basically chastises him, and says, "You know, I thought you were going to be the heir apparent to Vader, uh, but you're you're just a child." Oh, in a mask. <laughs> oh, Christ! <laughs> Is that how you think Snoke sounds? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> And then the saddest part of the movie for me happens because Kylo Ren decides when he's going down the elevator from the penthouse suite Mm -hmm. uh, in Snoke's ship, he decides to smash his awesome Kylo Ren helmet into tiny bits. And I love that helmet. And I love the the way he sounds with the helmet on. The awesome Daft Punk vocoder. It's real sad about all of that. But (laughs) it's, it's real interesting because... Kylo now has an opportunity. It's funny because he literally sheds the, uh, the. I mean, like I don't know, visage is the right word, but he 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 sheds the weight of Vader and trying to be Vader. And in doing so, by the end of the film, he does something that Vader never even accomplished, mm. which is he's at the top of the chain. Yeah. It's very interesting. Now, now I I know there are fans out there that maybe don't like what they're doing with actually i feel like a lot of people haven't said a lot about kylo like being unhappy with what kylo's doing but even if you're unhappy with it you got to admit that's something very different and i'm excited to see where that goes kylo ren's my favorite character in the movie so i will go on and on and on about him if we (laughs) don't cut it short here i'll probably come back to him later but let's move on uh let's go let's do ray next okay oh all right uh Oh, God. Oh, that's so helpful. Uh. <laughs> the funny thing is, I can do a legit Chewbacca. Like, I can do a good Wookiee. I, I, I can't do a pork, but I'm still trying. All right. Born from humble means means you can still do something. Ray is a true Jedi. I think I might have loved the last line, but. I feel like that's, you threw an extra, but it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it to you. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, that her um, her arc is is insanely well done. It's um, she finds Luke in Octo and uh, tries to get him to convince him to come back and join the resistance, join Leia, help your sister out at least. Right, but it's family. She, yeah, he's closed. He, you know, no vacancy here. Um. You can you can move on. You can do whatever you want, but Luke's happy being where he is. Uh, it's really weird. So she kind of takes control of her own training. It's, it's she she needs to at least know she needs to be okay with who she is, and right. she 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 still has answers. And if you're not gonna help me, fuck you. Then she goes on her own quest. She needs to find and, her 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 role in this in this story. Right. Yeah. So uh, she she contact she reaches out through the forest. Maybe unbeknownst to her, maybe it's controlled by somebody else. But we're not actually too sure. She she meets her foil. She she speaks with Kylo at least three times. Kind of the trainings that Luke kind of promised her that he'd reluctantly give her. Um, so she 
she finds her own answer. She finds her own. She finds her own answers, or at least finds a resolve to make her own way in the world. Uh, without Luke, unfortunately, um, we would have liked. She would. She would have liked uh, a little bit of help, but she can do it herself. She's been doing it herself a long time. Yeah, I mean that's kind of been her whole her whole thing is she's always been sort of had to fend for herself, right? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean that's kind of how we meet her initially in Force Awakens. All right, fantastic. Now you all might be wondering, like, why am I not saying Luke Skywalker? I'll tell you why that Chris is not going to talk about Luke individually is that this isn't Luke's story. I'm going to make the argument that this is very much Ray and Kylo's story. And then we threw uh, Poe and Finn in there, of course, because they're the other new characters uh, in this in this version of the Star Wars franchise. They're, they're the primary players. Mm-hmm. We, of course, will, we are definitely going to touch on Luke Skywalker. He's very important to the story, but it, it's not his story. Um, now, uh, I'll go ahead and start it with this. Uh, and fantastic job, by the way. But uh, you, what is what is your favorite thing about this movie? And is that a different answer than what is the thing you most take away from The Last Jedi? Because it is a very divisive film. Hmm. I think my favorite thing was um, going into it. I just wanted to see a story that we've never seen before in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, the Force Awakens kind of, you know, brought the franchise back to life. And this was this real. This was this first real outing to see what we, we can do with it. Um, where does this universe go? I mean, how do these characters evolve? And I, yeah, I did not see a lot of this coming. It, I'm, <laughs> for whatever reason, it really made me really uh, optimistic about the merge between Disney and Fox, or the, I guess the acquisition of Fox, just because if Disney, the mouse, if the you know one of the biggest powerhouses feels comfortable with giving Ryan Johnson full kind of sway in this, they didn't call for any reshoots that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, then, hey, maybe we can get some creative stuff going. Um, this, went a, this went a really fresh new direction. I, I think that's really what we need. Um, your story can be your story, but to, to be like completely removed and, acron- and anachronistic from what's going on like maybe in the real world, or uh, we have to have some attachment to it is what I'm trying to get at. And right. I think we're you have to fully care. Att- you have to care. Yeah. You have to have reasons to care. We, we have to... I'm fully attached to these new characters. It's great. Yeah, and also I just I love that we really don't know where they're going to go. Like Ray might be to me the clearest path mm-hmm. in terms of where we could see her going, but you know everyone else. I, I'm. I, it's really interesting because it, it's almost uh, it's just a wealth of opportunity in terms of the narrative for all the characters. Uh, real quick, kind of uh, just to jump in with a little bit of trivia on on what you said about Ryan Johnson. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the first screening of the film, which when it which came at uh, a little over three hours, the ori- mm-hmm. one of the original edits uh, was screened to all the execs at Disney, and and subsequently like the Star Wars branch of Disney, and they were literally so impressed with with that film <clears throat> that they immediately offered him to write and direct episode nine. <laughs> and he, he actually declined it because the turnaround, the production schedule for oh, that movie yeah. is so tight and he hasn't developed that story yet. Mm-hmm. 
he didn't have as much time like he did with this one um, that he felt like he wasn't going to be able to do it justice the way he would have liked. So he actually turned it down, which is crazy ballsy. Um, <laughs> and, and oddly enough, or like great, you know, great enough actually is that they went ahead and then said, all right, we still want you in on this. We love what you're doing. They offered him his own trilogy of films within the star Wars universe to, to start working on. And then they signed him to that deal, uh, which is, I mean, that's just amazing to me. Uh, and I, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night. Uh, he, he's a huge star Wars fan and he saw it for the first time. It was really cool. Like talking to him after he saw it because it, there was so much, uh, emotion and joy and just energy coming from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he, he said something really astute to me, which was Ryan Johnson is, is getting raked over the coals by some of the fans. And he said, man, I wish I could just give Ryan Johnson like a hug and a pat on the back and tell him, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I really think he had a very difficult task here with this movie. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of what he did. I, I don't I don't know how you could do this better. I know a lot of people disagree with that that sentiment, but I'm really excited to see what he does with his own trilogy, playing in this universe, and and not even even being less so tied into like the Skywalker legacy or storyline. Yeah, you know, doing something completely different. Um, okay, now uh, let's see. For me, I, I love. Okay, again, I'm a huge fan of Kylo Ren. I think an interesting thing coming out of The Force Awakens was that so many, uh, so much of the backlash against that movie, there was kind of two primary things, right? Mm-hmm. One was that people said that The Force Awakens is just a rehash of A New Hope. It's overly nostalgic, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just basically a remake. And I definitely see that argument. I think the movie was really fun. I think it's very enjoyable, but yes, it does follow a lot of the same beats. I can totally see that argument. I, I think that's pretty valid. Um, doesn't mean it's not a good movie. And the right. other primary thing was that so many people got really upset about Ray as a character. And this is definitely when like Mary Sue, ridiculous. Mary Sue as a term got really popular in large part, I mean, it already existed before in the lexicon, but it got really popularized around this movie. And I'm not even going to touch that right now. Uh, we'll <laughs> get to that again, probably on the very, very back end of the podcast. It's going to be our reactions to sort of the fans' reactions to this movie. Uh. But what I really liked that this movie did is it sort of addressed it. Uh, people yeah. were really upset that that raised the centralized character, and they just didn't feel that that was what a Star Wars story should be, for whatever reasons they might have. This movie, to me, firmly cements that this Star Wars saga, this trilogy, is not Ray's story. It's not Luke's story. It's not Leia's story. It wasn't Han's story. It's not the Ray's. Borgs. It's not the Porgs yet. <laughs> let's let's get a porg holiday special going can we like i know there's a petition to like get this out of canon can we instead petition to get a hor- porg holiday special um no, but this movie the porg redcon the original trilogy <laughs> oh yeah 
Just get some, get him in the prequels somehow. <laughs> like what if what if instead of Anakin saying, "I hate sand," he says, "I hate." Yeah, it's just they're just porgs landing on his head throughout the film. <laughs> I hate porgs; they get everywhere. <laughs> yeah, their fur is so coarse and rough. <laughs> And then there's one pork just looking at him with the sad with poor the guys. Sad poor guys. Hashtag sad poor guys. Uh, this movie is not Ray's story. It's Ray and Kylo's story. Mm-hmm. It's it's Ray and Kylo's story in so many different overt ways and subtle ways, but mostly overt ways. This film goes at great lengths to show that they are equals and that they have equal agency in the story. And that their paths are, are both linked uh, and equally important. Um, not, not, none more so than in the scene after Snoke is killed. Oh, and ra- you mean one of the best scenes in cinema in the last 10 years? <clears throat> yeah, that scene is amazing. I'm going to argue that that is the second best Star Wars sequence of all time. I know a lot of people would, would say that it's it's maybe the first. Uh, only let me, let me let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Yeah, C three PO trying to convince the the Ewoks that they're gods. Oh yeah, when he's <laughs> when he's when he's floating in the chair, that's uh, movie magic. <laughs> Coppola, step aside, Hitchcock, get the hell out of here. <clears throat> yeah. Um. No, but I, I would argue. Well, actually, we'll t- we'll touch on it in just a minute. But that sequence is great. Uh, but but the the button on that is that they they both reach for uh, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. Oh yeah, and it literally breaks in half uh, as they're positioned, trying to force pull the lightsaber. You know, Kylo to Kylo and Ray to Ray. That's that's how strong and how equally strong they are. Um, like that's literally the physical representation of hey the it's it's they're they're both equals in this story they're both equals in their abilities let's see what happens um <clears throat> is there what, anything that detracts from the movie was the next question yeah is there anything that that you if i, I mean i think i usually the way i ask this question is is there anything that you would have done differently, or is there is there oh, something that you right. would that you feel like shouldn't have been emphasized, or something that should have been more emphasized? Hmm. Um, I think the only thing I was um, kind of like, kind of you know, double thinking was the whole Maz Kanata cameo, and it's fine that Maz Kanata in there, but um, it, it you know trying to show world building from a different you know in, in a really quick way. I would have liked that if they, the, the Rebel Alliance just kind of, or I guess the Resistance. Jesus Christ. I'm just going to say Rebel Alliance from now on. It's, it's <laughs> pretty much the same thing. Same yeah. thing. Almost the same uh, So I just wish the Rebel Alliance kind of had that knowledge already. Like, well, we know some people, we, we've had to use people to get transport codes, to get shuttle codes before. So we know of some guy. I, I, I kind of wanted a roundtable kind of discussion of the people who mutinied um, with Poe. Right. I think one of them is like real life Carrie Fisher's daughter. Um, oh yeah, the blonde girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she had the first line in this movie. She did. Uh, so I wish they would kind of like just had a quick discussion, like, all right, we got to do something. We know we got to do something. Let's just <coughs> what, me. what info do we have? What what can we possibly cobble together? And that 
I think would be the only thing I would change. I mean, that's 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 a good part. You know, the thing is, so I read that that the original, the first cut on this film, uh, hit it over three, almost three and a half hours. Perfectly fine. Which I again would not have been upset about at all. <laughs> Uh, but clearly they wanted to knock it back a bit, one, to get more screenings out there. The, you know, the longer a movie is, the fewer times they can show it in a day. So it all comes down to money. And also probably, like, the narrative, you know, it doesn't hurt to cut stuff from time to time. I wonder if things like that, though, eventually ended up on the cutting floor. Mm. Um, <clears throat> the, for me, having this, seen the film multiple times, the Canto Bite stuff, the Space Monaco, mm-hmm. right? Um, the elitist kind of Space Monaco that it, that exists in this movie uh, with Faye, oh, Faye, Faye, Finn and Rose um, <laughs> and BB-8. <laughs> this is where we meet DJ, uh, the Benicio del Toro character. I, I understand a lot of fans' uh disagreement with this scene they feel like that whole b plot line adds nothing to the film i i don't think that's true i i think it's a little it's it's the weaker part of the film but i'll tell you that i took my little sister who's 13 and when she saw uh phantom menace she was really young she was like i don't know six or seven uh for the first time she liked jar jar you know she's a kid and she liked him enough. Like she thought he was funny and whatever. And she liked the Canto bite stuff when they're writing the, uh, what are those things called? The, uh, half lumps. The, the, uh, nope. The, uh, Eof- Eofors or something. Ol- Oliphants. No, the, the, whatever. The, the, the snuffleupaguses. The Morrowinds. No, that's no, the uh, holders. Mm hmm. Uh- <laughs> The I, what, whatever those things are called, like the, the uh, EF, I think they're like EF4s or something like that. Uh, she loved that scene, and and it kind of dawned on me that that sequence, almost the entire Canto Bite sequence, was sort of reminiscent of the the speeder race scenes. Yeah. In the pre, in the original prequel trilogy, it had that feel to it, and I really feel like both kids. And, and people that saw the prequels when they were kids might have connected to that whole B plot line a little more. Guess what, everybody? Uh, flash news alert. This movie, not all of it is for everybody. Like, like it's not all just for you, 45-year-old who saw <laughs> A New Hope when you were 10. Like, it's not <laughs> just for that guy. It is, it is for a lot of people. And so certain things are going to hit stronger than others mm-hmm. and that's fine when you're trying to develop a film like this that's so big and it comes from such a legacy and we'll definitely touch on legacy as a theme mm-hmm. in a minute um <clears throat> you you have to you have to paint so broadly uh to really stir up nostalgia and to also bring in new viewers and to also connect with the people who've more recently come into this fandom. It, it you know, it's, it's just really interesting to me. Um, let's see. I kind of, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it's not, it might not be for you. It's everybody's take is different. That's a, that's not a, a thing of derision. That's the thing of kind of like, 
this universe can support all of your different takes. Um, to, to me, I kind of saw Kanta Bite as like, you know, in, in The New Hope, we have Moss Eisley's, you know, hive of scum and villainy. Mm-hmm. And it looks it. It looks like a CD bar that you probably went to in college. It's somewhere <laughs> that you shouldn't be past midnight. Yeah. Um, That's stabbed. Uh, <laughs> you, have, you have to bring two knives to go in there. Uh, fight your way in and fight your way out. But in Kanta Bite, it's the same exact place. Rose says, this is the worst place in the universe. Filled and everybody has yeah. tuxes on. Yeah. Because, of course, these are the worst people. The people that profit off of everything. It, it, it read exactly like it, uh, like Moss Eisley, but like just with a little bit better window dressing. Right. It's like it's like it's just like the angle is turned ever so slightly. Uh, yeah, and and even that scene later with DJ uh, when they're on the ship going back toward uh, toward Snoke, and he's like, "Let's see who owned this ship." He's like, right. oh, an arms dealer. Oh, he sold to the First Order. Oh, and the the Rebel Resistance. Is this an X-Wing? What was this? Oh, like, like you knew that he knew that. <laughs> like, he's trying to prove a point. And, and also, a little tidbit out there. His name is DJ. Those are his initials. He's never named, I don't think, in the film, but his name is DJ. Literally stands for Don't Join. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> that's his mantra, uh, you know, because his whole thing is like and then again, when he betrays uh, the rebels, uh, Finn and Rose at all, you know, he says that line, he goes, you know, don't get, you know, don't be so upset. He's like, they blow you up today. You'll blow them up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He's he's not wrong. <laughs> in, a, in a really realistic sort of un un. Uh, Ugly and, and sort of a realistic ugly truth. He's not wrong, right? Um. All right, so let's let's tackle. <clears throat> there are a few, I would say, pivotal, divisive things about this movie. I just wanted let's let's you and I give our takes on these things, mm-hmm. and then we will also get into sort of the other opinion, the other side of these things. There is Ray's parents. Mm-hmm. There is the the arc and path of Luke Skywalker. And there is the backstory or lack of for Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh-huh. So let's just break that down beat by beat. <laughs> Ray's parents. In this film, in a truly weird Twin Peaks-esque sequence, Ray goes into a cave into the dark side uh, vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and And... I mean, I mean, she's a squirter. It's what... Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> a little poor distraction for you guys so she goes into the cave she asks who her parents are she sees her own reflection then later uh she meets up with kylo in supreme leader snoke's chambers and uh they defeat everybody 
those those what are they called? Vittori- something guards. Praetorian. Praetorian guards. Those badass guards. We'll definitely talk about them in a minute as well. Uh, they they defeat everybody, <clears throat> and Kylo in in his in his ploy to get her to join him <laughs> immediately immediately starts enacting the dentist method. Yeah, he he does. He really does. <laughs> he's he must be an always sunny fan because he he drops <laughs> into the dentist mode real quick, uh, dentist method, and he tells her, you know who, he's like say it. Say it. You know. You know the truth. Have you always known? Tell. They're no one. They're filthy. You know, uh, junk traders, alcoholic junk traders that sold you for for drinking money, and they're dead. In a papa's in grave. A you're, papa's grave. In a papa's grave. In a papa's grave. You're no one. You have no place in this story. You're no one, but not to me. But not to me. Negging. Just yeah. If you've ever seen. The pickup artist, uh, the I believe it was an MTV or VH1 <laughs> oh, reality shit. show. <laughs> Shout out Ig, I know he's a big fan of that show. Oh my God, Josh just opened up a five top. Oh uh, yeah, the five top. Oh man, oh oh God. <laughs> Maybe we need to do a podcast on just the pickup artist. I am remembering so much right now. It's so good. I, I definitely have to be this drunk or more to, to do that. Um, but it turns out, after literally years of speculation and fan theory, I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I've watched in the last few years. Raise a Kenobi, raise a Skywalker, here's yep. how. Yeah, raise the is related to the Emperor Palpatine. Raise actually a hut. <laughs> yeah, raise a clone. I I literally saw raise a clone. Oh, what the fuck? Really? Yeah, ra- raise a clone of That's the dumbest shit I've ever Obi-Wan. heard. Yeah, like an Obi-Wan genetic clone. So with all of that put behind it, we it, 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 it turns out that her parents are nobody. It doesn't matter. I loved this reveal. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of people were... I feel like... I'm going to sidetrack real quick. One of the things I really don't like about the reaction to this movie, the, the negative reaction from, from some of the fans, is that they're like, this movie is not a Star Wars movie. It doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. It doesn't act like a Star Wars movie. Like, I mean, I completely fundamentally disagree with that as a take. Yeah. Like, fucking how? What's the science on that? But these are the same fans that after The Force Awakens came out that complained that The Force Awakens was too much like A New Hope. <laughs> and that it was just a remake of A New Hope, and it was the same film. And I, I even, I actually understand that argument a little bit more. Like to me, I could see that. I could see why that would anger you. But I, I don't understand how if that was your take on the first movie, and this movie, which is so different from mm-hmm. Empire, it's not Empire. It's got a little bit of Jedi in it with the Snoke scenes mm-hmm. uh, that are you know reminiscent of the Emperor scenes. It's it's almost nothing like Empire in, in so many ways. I just don't understand how it's like you can't win, honestly. Like you just and that's fine. That's the nature of art. You're never going to please everybody. Well, that's fine. But we find out that Ray's parents are no one. And to me, the one thing that is very Empire-like is in Empire, Vader is revealed to be Luke Skywalker's father. Huge twist. That's a fucking turn. Nobody oh, saw that coming. Obi-Wan said Vader killed his father. Yeah. The old man lied. 
Dirty old man. He lied. <laughs> Here we get this huge turn. And they, they were so smart about it to me. To me, it's so smart because they did the simplest thing possible, which was no matter what we do, we're going to piss off people. If we mm-hmm. say that that's Kenobi's kid, all the Luke kid fans are going to be pissed. If we say it's Luke's kid, all the Kenobi kid fans are going to be pissed. Whatever. They did the simplest thing. They said, you know what? It's nobody. Doesn't matter. And nobody was expecting that. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody. I didn't see one YouTube video where people are like, my theory is that Ray's parents are no one. Well, holy shit. Maybe I need to start making YouTube videos. There's one thing that uh, in the post-movie discussion that my, my siblings and I had in Force Awakens was, I hope Ray's not connected to the Skywalker yeah. family. Yeah. I hope she's not, a, she's not anything like that. It's so much better if she's not. Because one of the gravest sins, I think, that's ever been committed in this franchise mm-hmm. in, was in the prequels, was the whole midichlorian introduction. Mm-hmm. Like, it, because it basically turned the entire Skywalker lineage into fucking um, the Mort the Arthur. It, yeah. <laughs> it's the king, the once and, and would-be king. Um, we don't need that. But anybody can, Yoda says that the Force is all around us, it surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds us. Um, anybody should be able to use the force. Right. And I think that's the thing that this movie really kind of concentrated on and tried to, tried to address. Uh, one, the thing that we said together in the, the drive home this time was you don't have to be somebody to do something. Right. It opens, it opens up a wealth of possibility. Hell yes. It's the biggest takeaway I've ever seen. Uh, And yeah, it, it, it opens it up again. the epilogue, the the little coda at the end, the 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 kid, mm-hmm. the kid, the kids, uh, the oh, I I, uh, I have a name for that kid. I named him. It's it's Jake Broomsweeper. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in the old in the original trilogy convention. <laughs> yeah, yes, Jake Broomsweeper. <laughs> Cannot wait to see what happens oh, with yeah. that kid. What's the Broomsweeper lightsaber going to look like? It's gonna have bristles. It's gonna have electric bristles, man. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> Fuck yes, a little kid from nowhere should be able to use this force. Yeah. Fuck yes, Ray from Jakku should be able to use this force because it's everywhere. It's everybody's. This yeah. this universe is ours. And th- how did you forget that? Yeah, I. It's funny that you say that. Like this fixes one of the greatest sins in the prequel trilogy. I honestly would even argue that it kind of. I won't say that it's a sin because I think it feels like in the original trilogy, it's three movies and it tells a story, and I love that story, and mm-hmm. I and I'm happy with how it how it is more or less. Jedi to me is a little problematic sometimes, but it's fine. But by making Luke Vader's kid. It changed this kind of the narrative from A New Hope, where he was just this farm kid who wanted to be a rebel and wanted to be a hero and found a way in the end of A New Hope to be that hero. Right. A nobody farm boy making his own destiny, essentially. Mm-hmm. Empire, in the in the Vader reveal, kind of takes that away. It's now be, it now becomes a story of, about destiny. Mm-hmm. And do you fulfill your destiny? Which is fine. That's a great narrative, and it's a, like I said, I look. I love the original trilogy. It's, yeah, it's, it's a classic just, narrative. We've it's, we've it's, had it since Greek times. It's fantastic. But what this movie does is it subverts it back the other way, 
and mm-hmm. it and it and it removes the the necessity of having everything linked to the Skywalkers. But even so, with Kylo Ren, if you're that much of a hardcore Star Wars royalty family traditionalist, guess what? You still have Kylo Ren. He's Ben Solo. He's half Skywalker. His grandfather was Anakin Skywalker. So if that's the part of the story that you want to hold on to, it's right there. Mm -hmm. It's right there for you to enjoy. What I love about this movie, I, I definitely more than anything else, is again, it cements Kylo and Rey as equal parts, as sort of protagonist antagonists, and they both represent different things both in the film but also sort of metatextually outside of the film a lot of ways to me ray is the voice of the fans of of these Mm -hmm. hardcore star wars fans that want to keep everything the way it is jedi order siths skywalkers being important you know Mm -hmm. there's a line in the movie it is absolutely my favorite line in this whole film um, and, and when you're listening to the podcast, it's the thing that you hear on the audio bump before the music comes in. Uh, you already heard it, but Kylo says the empire, your parents, the resistance, the Sith, the Jedi, let the past die, kill it. If you have to, that's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Kylo to me takes on the voice of Ryan Johnson. Yeah, He's literally telling the fans, in order to make this story continue, we have to move past some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it, like, I just, I loved it. It was so yeah. poetic and, and, and works on so many levels. It, it started in the trailers. Like, Luke said, this isn't going to go the, this isn't going right. to end the way you think. Right. Or literally telling the, the audience. Yeah. If you didn't... It, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> what are you doing? Also, who wants a story where you know how everything ends and everything goes exactly the way you thought it would? Like, what what fun is that? What what adventure is that that you go on? Were you uh. were nothing surprised? Like, that would be the most boring narrative <laughs> possible. And we'll definitely touch on that when we talk about uh, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about <clears throat> Snoke. Supreme Leader Snoke gets run through, <laughs> courtesy of Kylo Ren. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's an age old tale of being done in by your own hubris. He's literally mocking. He's mocking Ray, but in a way, he's also mock, mocking Kylo Ren. Yeah, when, too many pronouns, man. When he's saying like. He literally closes his. He literally does like the. Mm, your tears taste. He does the Cartman. He's like your tears taste so salty and good. Mm. He closes his eyes and he's like, mm, yes, I can feel his intent, his every thought, his desire. He's he's throwing it in both their faces. He's saying, Ray, you have no hope here, and Kylo, I control you essentially. And Kylo again does the thing that Vader. I mean, Vader did sort of do, but then immediately died right after, so I'm not going to give him that win um, when he killed the Emperor. Kylo kills Snoke, and the thing about Snoke is he's very powerful. We see him we see him flatten uh, ge- uh, General uh, Hux, Hux. <laughs> like, 
just finds him to the ground. We see a Ray pull for a lightsaber. The lightsaber flies around and hits her in the head. It's awesome. <laughs> he he's throwing uh, Kylo and Ray around like they're little puppets. Uh, he's the one that ends up force. Uh, I, a reporter came up with this term. It's it's definitely not my term, but I love it. Force timing. <laughs> he force times Ray and Kylo across the galaxy to get them to talk to each other. And but despite all of that. We don't know who he is. And guess what? It doesn't matter. It's not his story. Mm -mm. He's not ultimately what's going to destroy or evoke any. His actions will not evoke change. It's Kylo's actions. It's Ray's actions. Right. That evoke that change. Here's my one thing. I definitely want your opinion on all this. The Uh one thing I'm going to say is this. So many fans are so pissed off about this, about we don't. We don't find out who Snoke is. Who is he? Why is he so strong? Where did he come from? I literally heard a theory. I'm not joking. Everyone that's listening, if you're driving, might want to pull over. If you're standing, <laughs> sit down. If you're pregnant, turn it off. No, now's the time to push. Because <laughs> this is this is going to be the dumbest. It's like so dumb that it'll hurt you. I heard a theory where somebody was trying to to proclaim that Snoke is actually from Earth, from our Earth, from our galaxy, and that they were going to connect Snoke Ugh. and our Earth to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Remember, when I, remember earlier when I said that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard? This, this is now the stupidest shit I've ever heard in right. my life. <laughs> so here's my thing. And you're a teacher, so you've heard a lot of stuff. <laughs> Daily. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. When you look back at the original trilogy, which everyone, which again, a lot of the butthurt Star Wars fans hold so dear and right. Look, I love the original trilogy again, so it's fine to hold it dear. But when you look back at that original trilogy, guess what? Go back and watch them. Go back and watch all three of them. We don't know shit about Emperor Palpatine. He's just some really powerful dude. That's kind of controlling Vader. Vader's essentially his henchman. Mm-hmm. And he's the the ruler of the empire, taking yeah, over the galaxy. We don't know anything about him. We don't learn anything about him that's substantial. The only reason we know anything about him now is because of those shitty ass prequels that came out sixteen years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vader calls him master, and that's all we know. So, why do people, you know, people are so beholden to the original trilogy? And yet this movie does evoke some of the things from the original trilogy and it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. The double standard on <laughs> this film is is insane. Yeah, play it out. Play it out in your head. So but the other big theory is that oh he's Darth Plagueis. Oh holy shit, this thing that really shouldn't have meant anything in the prequels has now come back and it's come to roost. He's Darth Plagueis. So fucking what? Yeah, what does that matter to Ray? Yeah, he's power creep? You you just want to you you want a training montage? Is that what you fucking want? You want to get these power levels? Is, is somebody really really beholden to the scouter system in Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, I was gonna say it's just very much a Dragon Ball Z thing. Who fucking cares? He's a big bad. You know what big bads need to do? They need to get taken down. Yeah, that's all the purpose he served. That's all he needed to serve. And Mm-mm-mm. by the way, I loved Andy Serkis' performance as Snoke. Uh, I don't I don't know what your thoughts are. I oh, a bit of trivia. Um, they kind of modeled his kind of regalia, uh, what he's wearing after Hugh Hefner. 
Oh, they okay. Wanted, they wanted him to come from a place of wealth and a place of like uh, opulence. Like, and... Opulence, yeah, 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 a privilege. Uh, so he's modeled kind of those after golden that. robes. Yeah, red and gold, right? Because his 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 chamber, his throne room is red. It's like all. So you got red and gold, very Lannister like. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And by the way, I meant to mention this earlier when you were when you were talking about sort of breaking away from the the royalty of the Skywalker name. If mm. you really want that royalty storyline to a larger extent, go watch Game of Thrones. There's literally <laughs> like 70 hours of programming that is pretty much that kind of story. And it's great. Right? All the grizzled Stark fans are like, yeah, fuck you, Skywalker. Skywalker. <laughs> Holdouts. Right. So... I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm serious. I seriously do recommend it. Like, if that's mm-hmm. something that you're looking for narratively and in, in your in your fiction, check it out. It's really good. Yeah. Any other oh. final? Any other thoughts on Snoke and uh, the Gilgamesh myth? Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> uh, any any of the old Greek myths? Yeah. If you want the same kind of thing, if you if you want no conflict, if you want the hero to always win, uh, try some of the old Beowulf. <laughs> Beowulf is great. Um, Arthur, the Arthurian legends, uh, Thomas Malloy. Yeah, go, fu- go, go fucking read a book. Uh, yeah, yeah, read a, also, yeah, read a book, everybody. Like, every, you know, the thing about the Star Wars, uh, you know, there's, it's called Star Wars Legacy now, or Legends, I think. It's mm-hmm. all of the Star Wars stuff that came out in the last, like, 30 years that's not canon anymore. But there's a lot of great stories out there. There's the Dark Horse comics, uh, The Dark Empire. It's really good. There's this weird like subplot story uh, or this sub miniseries called Infinites where they literally take the original trilogy and they change one kind of dynamic thing in each of the films and it creates like a new narrative. It's basically like a what if. And it's, hmm. it's pretty cool. I highly recommend it. Uh, go, go, uh, going back to, to Snoke real quick and, uh, and more so to Kylo Ren. Again, I will talk about Kylo Ren four hours <laughs> I also Adam driver just real quick and I'm I'm lock this in for me fight me come fight me you don't want these hands please at him on Twitter at me on Twitter I don't even know what my Twitter handle is I think it's <laughs> I think it's RV zoo like R the letter R the letter V and then the word zoo uh, I might be wrong about that it's at us like comment it's CB characters I'll, I'll find you yeah uh Adam Driver is the best actor to touch a Star Wars film. He's so good at Kylo Ren, at playing Kylo Ren, at this conflicted character. He's everything that we should have gotten with Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you could swap them somehow and maybe give a little bit better dialogue to Anakin as well, the prequels might have felt totally differently and would be revered probably is actually being good. Uh, But what Kylo accomplishes here by killing Snoke is something, again, I mentioned earlier, that Vader never got to do. And for me, and this probably tips my hand a little bit as to why I love Kylo Ren so much, he's essentially now moving forward at the end of The Last Jedi and moving into the ninth film. He's basically Sith Peter Parker. Oh no! With oh. <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. He has all the responsibility of the first order on his shoulders now. 
Will he be able to sustain that? Will he be able to to wield it? And will he be able to make something out of that? Or will it mm. overwhelm him? Oh shit! That's that is fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. What does absolute power feel like? It's it's gonna be great. This is this is. I can't wait for the next one. Okay. That brings us to, and this is where we'll end up actually talking about Yoda as well because I know we haven't really talked about him very much. And and uh, and Leia. Oh, you know what? Let's talk. Let's let's touch on the Leia thing real quick. I forgot to bring that mm-hmm. up because that's another yeah. de- divisive thing. One of the other really big divisive uh, parts of this film is Space Leia, Mary Poppins Leia. Uh, by the way, everyone, the woman is Car- Carrie Fisher has passed away. Let's be respectful. I get that it's a fictional character within this narrative, but like people have been getting really vile with sort of their reaction to this in a way. And I'm like, this is literally her last performance. Like try to try to find something you like about it. Cause this is, this is all that there's left. Like I think they've already said that she's not going to, they're not going to put her in the next one. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to do a CGI thing for sure. Right. And also I found out doing some research uh, they didn't cut any of her scenes. They literally made sure all of her scenes were in this movie. So, you know, just keep that in mind. She gave a lot to this franchise and to this fandom. Like, let's be respectful. But the scene I'm talking about, of course, is after uh, Kylo fails to to blow up the the commanding deck or whatever you call it. Of the breach. The, the, yeah. Uh, what's the, is it? Is it Carillion? cruiser uh, it's a cruise cruiser of some sort yeah um, it, it effectively kills uh all of the 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 high-ranking leaders of the rebellion of the resistance <clears throat> uh by the way r.i.p admiral akbar that's a drop it's a it's a wrap it's a wrap <laughs> he's done he's done <laughs> did anybody order some fried calamari <laughs> Mon calamari. Mon calamari. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. Let's get me some buttered rolls. Give me some <laughs> fries, some tartar sauce. Mm, <laughs> Tap off a red lobster tonight. Delicious. RP though, Admiral Akbar. Love Admiral Akbar. I okay, this is I'm gonna show how nerdy I am. I actually have like a from like nineteen ninety seven that came out with these like Mego dolls. Um, like these twelve-inch, they're figures, but they're like they're basically dolls. Let's not kid ourselves. So they all go Versace, Versace, Versace when you hold their right hand. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I couldn't resist. I will end this <laughs> podcast forever. You won't. You won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't because I'm so angry right now. We haven't even talked about the ownership of the fucking franchise. But I have this twelve-inch Admiral Akbar doll. In the box, still. <laughs> I'm happy to own it. Even NRFB, more so now. motherfuckers. <laughs> um, Come see me at the swap meet. Oh, my God. Space Leia. So Spa- uh, Leia gets gets thrown out into the vacuum of space. She's floating around. Oh, no, she's dead. Like, we're everyone, everyone's like, everyone knows in, in real life, Gary Fisher has passed away. And they're like, what yeah. are they going to do? What are they going to do with this character? Oh, is this what they're going to do? Oh, oh no. Oh, this is this is so sad. But you see her floating in space. Her eyes are closed. It's it's sort of peaceful but dark. 
when all of a sudden you see the debris around her hands sort of scatter and move a little bit and her hand twitches her eyes open and she floats back to the ship and gets through the um, airlock or whatever you call it mm-hmm. and and they they you know she immediately like passes out she goes into like basically a coma i'm really happy that they didn't kill her in this scene because yeah at the end of the movie we get a reunion with luke and leia that is pure magic mm-hmm. on the screen it is beautiful it's a beautiful scene it's very touching it makes me wish that uh luke and han had had been able to connect somehow in the force awakens um you know ultimately they didn't and even even uh, mark hamill has gone on to say that he really regrets that 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 didn't happen that there wasn't an opportunity he felt, I believe what he said was that he felt when Ray and Finn kind of show up at the end when Han gets killed, he felt it should have been Luke and Leia somehow. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't really expand upon that. Like, well, how would you do that narratively? But <laughs> that's where he ran up against the wall of like, oh, I'm an actor, not a writer. Right. Uh, so but we get this really touching moment with Luke and Leia. And just for that alone, I'm glad that Leia doesn't get killed off earlier in the yeah. film regardless of what you think about the space leia scene i i thought it looked a little weird i wasn't the hugest fan of it but it's fine it's just one little part in the movie also speaking of 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 twists and things that we've never seen in a star wars movie mm-hmm. we've never seen this in a star wars movie leia fully using some force power apparently it's canonical that i think it's in the comic books she trained to use her Jedi uh, to become a Jedi after Return of the Jedi. It's only when she became pregnant that she stopped. So it's it's actually there is like and I'm not going to nitpick at it anyway. But for those of you that want to nitpick that way, it's there. The text mm-hmm. is there. If you want to be like, well, how is she using the force? Dude, she's fuck. She's Anakin Skywalker's daughter. OK, she's she's really strong with the force. She almost died. If it's ever going to kick in, that's yeah. the time for it to kick in. Fight yeah, in or real flight. Li- in real life, adrenaline surges can help a mom lift a car off her kid. So, yeah, yeah. fucking... It, 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 <laughs> you were watching a movie with laser swords and space wizards. Come on. Come the fuck on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. The, I guess the tales of this argument is that maybe it's not for you. Maybe that scene wasn't for you. We're, this is the most prominent female character in the whole franchise. And she's finally showing some magical force usage. Maybe that's not going to speak to you guys. Maybe that wasn't for you. Yeah. Did you not watch Sailor Moon when you were growing up? Or Jem? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't for you either. Yeah, or Jem? Whoa, Jem! <laughs> Truly a... Okay, I'm not going to no, please don't. go into the uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, she, she, she's a princess. She And a in general. In the, the general. In the Disney... Pr- Princess franchise, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or princess franchise, even. <laughs> they, they all do magical shit. Uh, it, maybe it's not for you. Maybe, maybe this empowerment is meant to be just that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole other gender out there of people that watch these films that I think yeah, it's, it's just real interesting. It's it's real interesting. We're definitely gonna, we're working our way toward it, guys. Uh, <laughs> towards our, our, our reactions on reactions. Um Ultimately, yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of that scene, but what it eventually allowed to happen in the film was more than well worth it 
for me. And it doesn't ruin the film. It doesn't break the film in any way. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you guys... Wait, so you want her to die that early in the film when there was more Princess Leia stuff that we could have? Really? Because, again, well, yeah. Carrie Fisher has passed the... away. Do, do you not want more? Like, you'll never get more now. Right. Who's going to stop the mutiny? That mutiny was failed <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. So, Touchstone, Space Leia. All right. The final thing. The big... The big thing about this movie. Luke Skywalker. Lukey, Lukey, Lukey. <laughs> you mean Mary Sue Skywalker? Mar- <laughs> Literally, Mother- okay. Motherfucker's named after George Lucas, there guys. You go. Na- yeah, throw that out there. Say it one more time for those in the back. Motherfucker's named after George Lucas. Lucas. Luke Skywalker, guys. Nobody was complaining. I mean, I don't know. We didn't have the internet back then, right? So maybe it'd be different. But I suspect that even if even if it were now, people wouldn't... Uh, people, like, right, people. I mean, we all know guys would not be complaining about Luke's abilities and his Mary suing oh, through the God. film, through the trilogy. Uh, if it were now, it's fine. Uh, it's not fine. It's really annoying, actually. But let's talk about the path of Luke Skywalker, the legend of Luke Skywalker. So in this film, right off the bat, literally the first thing that we see with Ray and Luke, Ray hands him the lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber, literally a relic of the past, mm-hmm. a relic of the original trilogy. He he holds it in his hand. He looks sort of furtively, contemplatively at the at the object. And ultimately, he throws it over his shoulder. He wants nothing to do with it. This is not him anymore. This is not who he is. This is not his life. He just wants out. Later on, we see him talking to Rey as she pleads for him to assist her. That his own sister, Leia, has requested his help. To which he responds, What do you want me to do? Show up there with a laser sword? And stare down the First Order and take them all on myself? This is the part you were supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah, he's talking to the audience too, by the way. He's not just talking to Ray. And this is the thing. This is the thing that Ray doesn't understand at this point as a character. But we, the audience, should be able to very easily see. He is not the Luke Skywalker of the original trilogy. He's not... We later find out that he's been... Locking himself off from the force. He's locked himself out. Blocking the force. For years. Hasn't even tapped into it. He's an old man who is who is broken. Because ultimately, you know, it's really telling to me. When he first tells the story to Rey about Kylo turning on him. He tells it in a way that shows that he still hasn't fully come to grips with what happened Mm -hmm. because he's not fully truthful with her. It's not until Kylo tells her what happened from his perspective that, that that Luke comes back and says, well, actually (laughs) (laughs) I did kind of fuck up here. Right. He tells Ray, I, I'm not that person. You want me to do things that I'm, I actually cannot do. Mm-hmm. 
And what I love about this movie and the treatment of Luke Skywalker is that he knew that more than anything, he knew that he's an old man, that he's not been training, that his skills may have diminished in some sense, at least his physical fighting skills, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? They create a way that makes sense narratively that is beautifully shot. My God, the scenes when he shows up on crate, the framing of the shots is magnificent, but they come up with a way in turn for him to show up, to stand in front of the first order, to stand before the rebel resistance. Like Poe says, he's, he's creating a distraction for us. But not only that, he's inspiring them. And how does yeah. he do that? He projects a version of himself that he thinks everyone thinks that he is. He's younger. His beard is short and darker. His hair is more reminiscent of his original Luke Skywalker hairstyle. Mm-hmm. He's trim. He's in fighting pose. Like he's he's the badass that he believes that the universe has created in the myth of Luke Skywalker. This is so metatextual. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's no way that he can live up to all of the fans expectations. And I've literally read multiple times from multiple people online that they wanted Luke. They wanted to see Luke pull down a star destroyer from space and make it come crashing down with the force. Yeah, god damn it. Which is so absurd. The other thing is if Luke were that person, if he were this super badass Goku Superman character <laughs> that could come in and take on the entire first order, he still has to die by the end of the film. Mhm. Like that he has to end his journey. So what? He gets stabbed by Kylo Ren? Guess what? Everyone's going to be like, oh, Kylo Ren stabbed Han. Now he's going to stab Luke. Is he going to stab Leia next? They're going to complain about that. Also, what? He gets like stabbed or cut in half and just falls over? No, the ending we get for Luke Skywalker is him sitting and watching the horizon and the sun's setting. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean... Your fan arguments are basically against Luke Skywalker's agency. This is the ending he chose. This is how he chose to go out. You're not going to respect that? And don't give me this bullshit that it's Ryan Johnson who's running it. I mean, this is Luke Skywalker. This is canon. I I just, like, it literally is the perfect bookend to, you know, even in the prequels when we see Luke the baby... There's a mm-hmm. scene where Luke the baby is looking into the horizon and there's like there's the suns, right? And then yeah. when we first see him in A New Hope, same thing. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe it's a little bit of trivia. Maybe it's not common knowledge, but Kasdan, uh, Lucas's writing partner for the original trilogy, I guess at least, you know, uh, five and six, mm-hmm. was that, you know, he wanted Luke to die. It, Luke was supposed to die in Return of the Jedi, he was, or at least right up into the sunset. Right. He was supposed to have like a ultimate. Yeah. He was supposed to have an ultimate resolution, and he finally gets one now. And here's the thing. 
I this is what I don't understand why people are, are so upset about this. He ends up being the badass that everyone wanted. He mm-hmm. does face down the First Order, all of the adats shooting him, and he literally brushes it off. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted to see, right? That's what all the fans were like. We needed Luke to be more of a... What do you want? <laughs> like, you, you, you visually got to see that happen. You know, I, I just... I don't know what else you could have done. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was so poetic and so beautiful. I I don't know if you're not happy with it. I I mean, I my condolences, but like what would make you happy in this scenario? Like I just Yeah, no, that's that's exactly uh, this is the only kind of comment I, re- I choose I chose to reply to on mine. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'll maybe I'll fill the screen cap of my reply up on on the Facebook thread. Uh, Facebook.com slash Nimble4Pod. But, um, yeah, it, this is an insane argument to make. <laughs> he was supposed to do all the things your wildest dreams had. It, a Jedi would not think to bring down Star Destroyers onto a planet, ruining multiple lives, and maybe the planet. Probably the planet. I mean, at least <laughs> a portion of the planet. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Where are you arguing from? Are you arguing from what's actually there in the text, in the movie, or are you, or are you arguing from some misguided imagination? Right, and that's a perfect segue. We, the last part of this podcast, we're going to talk about sort of the the narrative uh, of what's going on in terms of the reaction to this film. Uh, real quick. I'm going to read something uh, that Mark Hamill said about the script, the movie, in particular his character of Luke Skywalker, uh, that he told directly to Ryan Johnson. This is a direct quote. I pretty much fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character, Luke Skywalker. Now, having said that, I have gotten it off my chest, and my job is to now take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision. Again, I think Mark... Okay, Mark Hamill played... Luke Skywalker in essentially three movies, technically four if you can't Force Awakens. So yeah, he definitely, I feel like he should have an opinion. I only bring this up to say, I really commend Mark Hamill if that's truly how he felt. <coughs> because he knocks it out of the park in this movie. Yeah. He does a fantastic job of acting and portraying this version of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, nothing if not a consummate professional. <coughs> so, you know, um, real quick, uh, before we get into the fan uh, reaction, I'm going to throw some just real quick uh, trivia bits out there for, for you all listeners. I know a lot of people like this part when we throw these in with the movie reviews. Uh, director Ryan, by the way, fans that don't like this movie, and I, I, I sound aggressive. I, I, we probably both will. It's just that it's been an unending barrage of of negativity to this movie, and it's it's grating. Honestly, it's grating. And mm-hmm. it's, but we'll touch on it in a second. <coughs> Man, all right, hold on, guys. I gotta I gotta drop in. <laughs> no, this is behind the curtain. I gotta drop in a throat lozenge here. I apologize if it's right. bumping into the mic. I'm dying. No, no, no. Here. Yeah, for me, it's more of a case of like, um, y'all are my people. Y'all are our people. If you're listening to this podcast. We're cut from the same cloth. We like this nerd shit. It's just, I, I need to understand where your arguments are coming from. And maybe it's due to a, a lack of 
analytical reasoning and thinking in this country. Maybe that's on the education system, but I don't, I hold fault with your reasons why you like why you didn't like this movie. Yeah, we, like we always jokingly say, like you're allowed to have your opinion. You're wrong, but you're allowed to. You're allowed yeah, to it's, have it. it's cool to be wrong. It's fine if you didn't like the movie. That is totally fine. I don't think we need to start a petition to try to get this movie erased from the canon of <laughs> Star- like, do you understand how petty and entitled and bratty that is? It is ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> let's start at the prequels. First of all, let's start at look. If, if <laughs> Star Wars holiday special exists, you can't complain. Get that erased from history first. Okay, but what I want to say real quick is that director Ryan Johnson did reveal that Carrie Fisher, by the way, Carrie Fisher, for the most part of her her latter part of her career, was a writer. She's essentially a script doctor, a script supervisor, and she helped with a lot of scripting duties on a bunch of TV shows and movies. She helped with the writing of the script for this movie. And I say that to say, look, an original cast member had a hand in this, but I know a lot of... I know there are going to be fans out there that say, well, yeah, that's why this script sucked, because uh, uh, Carrie Fisher, a woman, helped write it. Oh, like, whoa. I know that that's going to be a thing now. So that's maybe, really annoying. Maybe we don't need those fans anymore. <laughs> maybe we don't. If that's how you feel, fucking get out. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix uh, turned down the role uh, of DJ, the Benicio Latoro character. Really? Yeah, he turned. He was offered it first, and he turned it down. That's really surprising to me. Uh, I could, I could, I thought Benicio's door was great. Mm-hmm. By the way, as DJ, um, I think Joaquin Phoenix would have been really good too. What do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, he's great in whatever you put him in. Yeah. Um, but Benicio del Toro, I mean, oh, so good. Uh, not for nothing, he gets a character so- across in like a syllable. Oh yeah, his physicality and his like syntax, the way he he speaks, it's it's so amazing. It's funny because somebody asked me, they were like, "Oh, is he kind of like the collector in Guardians?" I'm like, "Yes, but also no. <laughs> like, it's not just the same thing." Um, you know how like Jim Carrey, and uh, I'm not trying to shit on Jim Carrey, but there are certain characters that Jim Carrey <laughs> plays, and it's literally like the same character <laughs> in four different movies. I'm like, that's that's just the same. Dude, <laughs> uh, he's talking out his butt again. <laughs> yeah, like this. This is there's a nuance here that I really like. Okay, uh, last trivia fact is that uh, direct Rogue One director Gareth Edwards actually makes a short cameo mm-hmm. in this movie. So for those of you who want to see this movie again after you listen to the podcast, he is in the scene when they're on crate, and that dude for no reason foolishly like wipes the ground and then tastes it he's like oh it's salt okay man like you're on a foreign planet that you've never been on and there's just white shit on the ground like maybe he thought it was coke like what did he it could have been anthrax it definitely could have been poisonous what are you doing dumb rebel resistance person no wonder you guys are failing <laughs> there's a there's a thread on Twitter that I liked the uh, uh, somebody's review of it was like the craziest character in Star Wars history is the guy who tastes a new planet and goes salt fucking lunatic yeah uh, it then goes on to extrapolate a conversation between the, that soldier and Kylo and and Luke or Force projection Luke uh, it, it's golden I'll try to take take a screen caps of it and put it on the thread awesome uh, so Gareth Edwards is next to that guy 
He's the guy that's next to that guy in that scene. So, uh, actually, uh, real quick, I, well, let's circle back because I know we're going to talk about the fans thing, but let's circle back real quick because I realized we forgot to talk about two things: mm-hmm. Yoda and um, the way we we did kind of talk about Jake Broom Sweeper, though. But yeah, uh, let's talk about Yoda real quick. Yoda shows up uh, on uh, as a Force ghost on um, uh, Arc Two, Octo. Yeah. Uh, and it's really cool is it's not CGI. That's an actual puppet that they made. It's Frank Oz. Uh, it's Frank Oz voicing it. Uh, he, <clears throat> uh, he, you know, Luke says he's going to burn down the, the Jedi tree and, and the books. Little to, little known to him that Ray's already yanked those books and is, is gone. Um, but he, 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 uh, he, he hesitates. And then Yoda's like, fine, whatever, I'll do it. He, he gets Yoda gets the infinity gauntlet and he says, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and he brings down the lightning and, and burns down the tree. Uh, I loved all the Yoda stuff. It was really great to see him. I thought that was a good surprise. Wasn't expecting to see Yoda yeah. in the film. Uh, thoughts on Yoda? No, I mean, um, it, it, like you said, it's completely unexpected. I, I love that he was there. Uh, yeah, it's everybody like worried about Luke, quote unquote, dying. If Yoda's still there and Luke transitions to the Force, you think you're not going to put two and two together? Luke's still around. He can be a Force ghost. He can live forever. Yeah, he there's there's n- it, he could easily be in the next film. He could be in yeah. a bunch of the films, like <laughs> wherever they go. Um, and I think yeah, I think that was purposeful. I think that was meant to remind the fans, like, hey. This is the thing in this universe. Look, here he is. Here's Yoda. Remember Yoda? Yoda's dead, but there he is. <laughs> Yoda was 9,000 years old. Don't, don't worry, guys. If we need to, we can we can bring it back. <laughs> I just uh. All right. So let's talk about the fans. <clears throat> um as as y'all have been listening, I'm sure you've gotten kind of an idea about how Chris and I feel about this. It's, it's really frustrating. Uh, what we're going to talk about here, though, is the idea of ownership. And that is that is truly, now that the film is, is out and people are, are watching it, um, that's the crux of the issue. That is that is the, the central theme, I would say, in terms of how this movie is being viewed. Who has ownership of something like this? When you see a Rotten Tomatoes critic score, one of the highest ever i think it's like 93 or 96 percent right now mm-hmm. and yet the fan score is like in the 50s or 60s by the way i looked into it apparently there's a group and sort of like i guess they're like the alt-right version of star wars fans like that's a no, thing no oh um, please get out of the fandom and <laughs> they're Nobody taking needs you. they're taking credit for basically bot destroying the the fan score you know uh, uh, yeah, whatever. Again, that's what you're doing with your life. That's what you're doing. <laughs> that's what you're spending your time doing. <laughs> Artificially augmenting or changing uh, a, a, a fan-based critic score on a website. Bravo. Bravo <laughs> fucking oh, That's what you're doing. Good God, man. Just... Yeah, I know you could say like, "Oh, what are you doing? You're spending an hour and a half talking about a Star Wars movie." Yeah, well, yeah, but we're we're trying to bring entertainment. 
maybe some analysis. I don't know. I've, it's not quite the same. I don't think. Um, more constructive than what they're doing, at least. I would I feel that that bar that bar is on the ground. You can walk over it, but whatever. But yeah, ownership. Who owns this story? Is it George Lucas? Is it Kasdan? Is it J.J. Abrams? Is it Disney? Is it Ryan Johnson? Is it is it is it Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher in in Harrison Ford? Is it Daisy Ridley? Is it John Boyega? Is it Oscar Isaac? Is it the fans? I don't know that there's a right answer here. Mm. But I think if you want to enjoy this story, the idea of entitlement and being beholden to things so closely and tightly that that you couldn't allow yourself to enjoy other perspectives you know just to throw this out there chris and i both come from from radio tv film backgrounds screenwriting backgrounds whenever you write a story whether it's a screenplay or a short story or a novel anything it is always in some sense personal Mm -hmm. it has to be it, it, it inherently has to be. Ryan Johnson has gone on and said in several interviews, I wrote and directed this film. This is where I saw the characters going. This is where I want them to go. This is what felt natural to me. He was a huge fan of the original trilogy. He played with the toys. You know, it was personal for him. There was he 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 flat out admitted there was no way that this story could not be personal. Like it had to be personal on some level for me, in order for me to make it. I think I'm gonna put this a little bit on J.J. Abrams by setting up the Force Awakens with. I don't know. I don't think he did it so much with Snoke. I don't think that was intentional. But I do feel like with Ray, with with the the sort of. Um, when she touches the lightsaber and like, mm-hmm. she kind of goes into that like force vision thing and everything's just like confusing and combobulated. I think JJ Abrams set this up to not to fail necessarily, but to like get everybody in a, in a fervor about it. Every like that immediately after the movie came out, everyone was like, who is Ray? Who is Ray? Who are her parents? Where is she from? <laughs> da, da. Like, so- that was, yeah, go ahead. No, it was a lot more fun to pose a question than to answer it. I think ultimately the problem here is that everyone did form their own answer for the most part. They really bought into she's a she's a Kenobi, she's a Skywalker, she's a Solo, she's a whatever, she's a Hut, <laughs> she's a she's a Fett. <laughs> oh my! God. Um. And that's fine. It's fine to do that. But Star Wars, Star Wars is not a is not a story about mysteries. Star Wars has always been a story about good overcoming evil, and also kind of what is the balance of good and evil, mm-hmm. the light and the dark. I think when J.J. Abrams did that, I don't think it was intentional necessarily. Like I don't, I'm sure he didn't think the backlash would be like this. But by setting up the narrative to be more of a mystery, 
I think that kind of got things off kilter. And with Ryan Johnson essentially saying, there's no mystery, she's not anybody. But that's also important. Mm -hmm. I think that was the best thing you could have done. What what do you feel about ownership in terms of Star Wars? Um... I think you you were uh, kind of approaching that point like for creators it's something like um you only have I mean whenever <laughs> it's going to sound pretentious as all hell but whenever I write something I don't think it's me writing it I just kind of like I have an uh, initial idea and I kind of like oh yeah I see where it goes and I kind of it just forms out of the ether right but that's 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 kind of like your job you're supposed to let it form and after that you kind of create something and then you watch it die I mean, it's open to interpretation after that. So that it, it's uh, kind of a grim way of thinking about it, but that, that, that's that's all you have to do. I, and great writers know that they have to create characters they love, characters that they really truly care about, and you know, on a human level, and then put them through hell. Um, you think J.K. Rowling wanted to do all that shit to Harry Potter? She loved that character. It, you you kind of force yourself to write these these situations for these characters because you know that. That human connection is what's really going to make this narrative come across. It's not about selling tickets or books. It's about ha- syncing your brain up with another person's. That's such a rare thing, rare thing that happens. That, that, and it only happens through empathy. So you have to create these like, extreme situations for your characters to, to go through. Um, humans are weird like that. I, I've thought that for a long time. That, that's probably our superpower as a species. That, that we're, we're given, given to these narratives like, almost wholly in some situations. That... Um, that we can't separate the two. Uh, so ownership, I think, it comes down to that the only thing you really own is your attachment to something and your enjoyment of it. Um, I, I defy any Star Wars fans to walk down a Walmart aisle of the toy section and not cop a stupid grin when they see all the, all the toys. That's, that's what you should be focusing on. Every time, I'm not even joking, every time I see a Millennium Falcon toy, smile. It's mm-hmm. I just I just think like ah oh, Millennium Falcon, awesome. You like, you own you own that feeling. You own that feeling. If you want to pay five ninety nine, you can own that Millennium Falcon. But it's a real real <laughs> tiny one. If I want yeah. like the real, it's like one hundred and fifty dollars now. Yeah. But also real quick, just uh, maybe like top three favorite scenes for me was Millennium Falcon going through the caves and crate, and mm-hmm. the the original Millennium Falcon score going through. Mm-hmm. Loved all that. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> also, I never talked about my favorite scene in the movie. Well, I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, yeah, but yeah. Well, I mean, my, my last point was, shit, Lucas never even owned a new hope. 20th Century Fox had the rights to a new hope. And my brother has a theory that Disney only bought 20th Century Fox just to get the rights to a new hope. So, <laughs> Right. There's there's a rumor that they're going to try to release the original unedited trilogy. Like the, oh, yeah. Which, man, I count me in. Where's... Where's the Kickstarter on that? Um, <laughs> that? That's that's my piece on ownership, though. Uh, you own you own your emotions, you own your attachments. Why you why you enjoy something? Focus on that, please. Oh, and I think you know we talked about this off the air, um, and it is something I thought was really astute. If you don't like what this movie did, okay, and I get it. Hey, look, man, I am I am the biggest Spider-Man fan I know, and I'm not saying that like out of like hubris or anything like yeah that's unfortunately without ego guys that's yeah that's said with no ego i had to live through spider-man 3 <laughs> sam raimi spider-man 3 with venom and sandman and the 
the goblin. So good. So so not good. <laughs> James Franco. Man, to think that James Franco, like think about who James Franco is now, and he's just wasted in that film. Um, anyway, I had to live through that. That film was incredibly disappointing on so many levels. I tried to make the best of it when he came out. I tried to convince myself that I liked it for a brief time. I was like, okay, this is okay. Then I watched it again. I was like, oh, this is not okay. <laughs> but guess it's what? Not like this. But guess what? Eventually, the Amazing Spider-Man movies came out. And I was still like, mm, no, nope, this isn't. But okay, like some of these things are okay. But then Spider-Man: Homecoming came out, and that movie feels so good in terms of what I want. A Spider-Man movie to be. Things evolve and change. Um, that doesn't mean that Spider-Man three doesn't still exist. That doesn't mean that Amazing Spider-Man one and two don't still exist. They do. They're still there. They have their fans. They have their fans, and for some fans, those movies really speak to them, and they really enjoy them. And great, fantastic. I'm glad that Spider-Man: Homecoming exists. I'm glad that the first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies exist. It's not the end of the world if you don't like this movie. It's going to be okay. The Han Solo movie is going to come out. Maybe that'll be good. Maybe you'll like that more. Maybe J.J. Abrams will overreact to this pseudo, but I almost feels like a pseudo fake angered backlash, and they will make a movie that's even more of a rehash than The Force Awakens was, and, and everyone will love it. Who knows? Uh. That's not what I want, but maybe even that would still be good. Who knows? If you if you felt like this movie took too many chances and didn't pay off on those chances, on those gambles, go back and watch The Force Awakens. It's one of the safest movies like to ever come out. <laughs> it's so incredibly safe. It is like on birth control with a condom, with one of those... Yeah, implant things it's just it is <laughs> the the i don't know where this analogy is going, but like it's it's incredibly safe okay Talk about the, being in the weeds the um the ump has waved his arms you know you guys can't see what i'm doing but i'm waving my arms it's safe it's safe it's a very safe movie is it safe yes it's very safe um <laughs> It's fine to voice your opinion. In fact, so much so that we're going to do a little segment real quick before we head out. I, and this is just for fun. Uh, Chris, I hopefully you have some of yours pulled up. Are we going to put them on blast? I'm going to I'm just going to read I'm going to read two comments that I saw from random fans. Yeah, y'all done fucked up complaining about this damn movie. I think we weren't watching. It's funny. The article in question for this one is Watch Air Force veteran granted dying wish to see Star Wars The Last Jedi. So there was a an Air Force veteran who was unfortunately um, terminal. And they were able to, to secure a private screening for him to watch The Last Jedi. Very touching. Right? Really beautiful. The first comment on this story. Thank you for your service. I'm sorry you had to suffer so much through such a terrible movie. <laughs> Jordan what? Fisher. Oh, self-serving asshole. Fuck you. 
This guy literally <laughs> fought for your life, your freedom, our country. And that's the comment you have to make. Fuck you. Okay. Uh, one other, oh, another one. This is just from a random thing. Just a random comment. Fred Jackson says, time to rank the Star Wars movies. Number one, The Empire Strikes Back. Number two, Rogue One. Number three, New Hope. Number four, Return of the Jedi. Number five, Spaceballs. Number six. Jesus. Number six, Force Awakens. Number seven, Revenge of the Sith. Number eight, Phantom Menace. Number nine. Number nine, Ewok Porn. (laughs) Number ten, Star Wars Dildo (laughs) Infomercial. (laughs) Number eleven, Attack of the Clones. Number twelve, George Lucas Underwear Model. That's not even a movie. Um, Number 13, a Harrison Ford stool sample. Number 14, Star Wars. To to be honest, the method acting in number 13 was amazing. It's true. Number 14, Star Wars Sith on my face. Which I don't know if that is an actual port or not, but if it's not, there you go. You're welcome, universe. Number 15, The Last Jedi. <laughs> I gotta admit, that one was pretty funny. Fucking trolled. But, like, come on, man. Okay, Chris, <laughs> what do you got? Uh, just a couple. Um, one kind of poignant, one kind of showing the level of attachment that a lot of fans have to this property. Uh, Homeboy writes, and I'm not going to put his name out there. I don't want to do him dirty like that. Uh, dude, I lost my dad this year, and Luke Skywalker is the only thing I have after Solo to remember him. So please, I wanted a long time for Luke to come back. Um, our attachments, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Humans are weird. We, we give into narrative. To, I think our brain is structured for narrative. That's how we understand things, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, to have a level of attachment this strong, this <laughs> central to your core, that's scary. Um you ha- we have to temper that level of attachment with a, a little bit of reason. I mean, uh, these are things that kind of like enrich our lives, and they're meant to do that. Um, they're not something that should be like looked at as a net loss. Uh, so I'm sorry for uh, for for your your father's loss, but <laughs> this is something a little bit separate. We have to have that level of detachment. Um, the next guy, hopefully a little bit lighter on topic, but. Um, I will mention his name because I responded to him on Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll say it on my chest. Uh, fuck you, Joe Tice. Uh, he writes, uh, T.O., uh, too many wasted opportunities. Already a, a, a brilliant success. Uh, too many wasted opportunities. They could have done something epic. They could have had something epic. Like Luke, uh, They could have had some epic Luke, Luke moments. I was so waiting for him to yank down one of those Star Destroyers onto the walkers. Um <laughs> Yeah, going back to the. Uh, <laughs> What's the science? How? <laughs> yeah, we want a force power that we've never seen used ever before. Just like you know, up to the nth degree. Jesus fucking Christ! Uh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry that um, I'm sorry that there was a DM. I want to make this analogy real quick. This is a D and D game. Your players in this D and D game, you think you you. There's three stories that go on in a D and D adventure. The story that the GM wants to tell, the stories that the players want to tell, and a story that has to be told because the dice rolled a certain way. Right. And fuck you if the dice didn't roll your way. Yeah. God damn it. It's, it's yeah. It's it's real interesting. I, the thing is, I feel like a lot of people that have these sort of what I would argue are nonsensical opinions about the movie is they have this, they take this one very small thing and they're like, it should have been like this. Mm -hmm. But what they don't consider is how that affects the larger narrative, which is like, that's a hard thing to do when you're writing. Every change you make affects other things within the, within the story. So, you know, if Luke could have done that, all along bring down his star destroy onto the ad ads or whatever <laughs> then like why didn't he just push the star destroys into each other mm -hmm. at the end of jedi or whenever the fuck he would have learned to be able to do that like why not just blow up snoke ship with his mind like uh the only youtube video i watched was unfortunately a part of like some some man-child and it's rich coming from two guys on a comic book podcast but uh, some man-child kind of flailing around and say like Luke should have done this, wah, wah, what you sh and then the and then the this, what you fucking I'm not exaggerating. He did that for a full on three minutes explaining what Luke should have done. How? Yeah. Uh here's a creative exercise for everyone out there again. I know we kind of touched on this right. If you want something different for Luke or for any of the characters, write it. Create it. Put mm -hmm. it out there. Let others tear it down. See how it feels. It's, it's not fun. Not easy. It's not easy and it's not fun. But, like, create that story for yourself. And I mean that earnestly. Create that story for yourself. If it's that important to you. Don't just complain about shit. Do, do something. Write something. Create something that fulfills your expectation. I will tell you, because I forgot to touch on this earlier, what filled my expectation, meow, uh... <laughs> How about that that uh, vast Vice Admiral uh, Holdo light speed jumping into Snoke's ship? Holy hell! Every time I've seen that movie, I've uh, seen this movie. Mm -hmm. Somebody has literally yelled out in the theater. <laughs> I've gotten a few oh shits and a what the like. Yeah. That is the coolest scene I've ever seen in a Star Wars film to me, hands down. Yeah. Followed very very closely by. Ray catching the lightsaber immediately after, uh, well, that whole sequence where Kylo kills Snoke, and yeah. and you see they took on the Praetorian Guard. Yeah, that whole thing, mm, delicious. Yeah. Um. All right, last last thing. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to see this go? Ooh. It feels like it's so open. Yeah. For part nine, which, by the way, everyone complaining about the movie. That's the best position you could be in. Where there's all of this wealth of opportunity for the characters and the story. I feel like it can go in so many directions now. Mm -hmm. Where do you think? Yeah. But where do you think it's going to go, personally? Huh. Um, I kind of think I know. Uh, a lot of times I, I don't. I'm just, I just want to see what they have planned. But I think I know, like, if I were writing the ending, what kind of writing I, uh, the kind of ending I would write would be um, a little bit D&D-ish. So... 
what I, what I want to ha- see happen is that um, in the next m- film, the, the the rebels are trying to get their thing going again, and um, Ray is kind of involved, but she's not like the main focus. She doesn't take over for Leia in full. Uh, she's on her own thing. Maybe there's a couple Padawans. Maybe there's a time skip. Maybe she's trying to up the level of Force users in the galaxy. Um, and to this end, she kind of like engages with engages with Kylo, like uh, in in fights and, and tries to you know one up him. But you know, there's always there's always a split. There's like three fight sequences maybe in the movie, and they come across they, they come out like you know you know none can gain the upper footing. And but this is all to an end. This is all to the purpose of upping the level because of their their force usage. All these other force users populate the galaxy. Mm-hmm. It the, awakens the, for- the force. And- right. The forces. If if the dark side is hate, then the light side is love. It, the the empathy level in all the galaxy rises. And the the only takeaway is that for, Ray has to make the sacrifice of constantly engaging with Kylo Ren in battle, and they kind of ascend to this level of mythhood, and near godhood where they constantly war. But it's better for everybody because empathy reigns in the galaxy. Right. That's really actually I really like that. Also, I mean, do you feel like there's a definitive winner, or do you think that that the end goal is just that? Is oh, just- they're definitely yin and yang. They, yeah. <laughs> they're equal parts to each other. Right. I like that. I like, and you know, you know, even I feel like if Ryan Johnson were going to do nine, I really feel like that is probably the direction it would go in because we do see a lot of the, um, there's even a shot in the last Jedi where you see the yin and the yang in the water, um, near Luke's like pedestal thing that he sits mm-hmm. on. Like you see the, the symbol there and you see, there's like a yin and yang Jedi Sith thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. Uh, cool, cool take, and you know we'll see. For me, I I do think there will be a time jump of probably about ten years. I think they're gonna, um, they're gonna allude to to Leia passing mm-hmm. in the in the intervening time, so we don't actually see her uh like die on screen, which I know is gonna anger a lot of people. But what else do you do? Like I feel like if they're not gonna, they, they shouldn't CGI her. If there isn't footage that they can realistically use that would make sense, then then give her like a what is it? It is the death. Um, what do they say in Kill Bill? It's like uh, it's it's so the five finger death punch. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no. The the death that is is rarely awarded to to people oh. in the story, like the peaceful, quiet death. Oh, right. Um, the best outcome. Right. Uh. I think there will be a time jump. I think, yes, I think we'll see Padawans on, on race side, maybe even on Kylo. Maybe Kylo gets re, uh, reacquainted with the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe ultimately, uh, as he campaigns to over, you know, to, to gain full rule of, of the galaxy, the ruthless methods that the, the Knights of Ren, um, utilize maybe er- like rub him the wrong way. And Ray continues to try to chip at that part of him, ultimately ending in him and Ray um, facing off against the Knights of Red. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, honestly, that doesn't sound like that great of an ending <laughs> for me. So I'm just making it up uh, you know, as I'm going along right now. I didn't really think about it. Uh, so I don't know. I think it could go anywhere. I definitely think we're going to see a time jump, though. And um, I'm really curious to see in what ways they rebuild the resistance because there's not very many of them left. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, any final thoughts on Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Um. Uh. Know yourself. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and if you st- after all this, and maybe after some introspection and reflection, if you still have your wrong-headed opinions and your your uh your critiques that stem from emotion, uh, in the most delicate terms uh, possible, suck my dick from the back. Oh. That's the that's the most disrespectful way because you're not even you heard you're not even looking. 2018, uh, no filter, motherfuckers, we're coming oh, at you. Oh jeez, oh jeez, uh, oh jeez, Rick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, try to find things you enjoy. If you absolutely can't find something you enjoy in this film, then don't watch it. But there's so much that happens here. I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you can't find things that you enjoy in it. If I can find something to enjoy in Spider-Man 3, yes, I'm talking about the dance sequence, then you can find something to enjoy in The Last Jedi. It's possible. I promise. Um, By the way, also, last just Luke thing, he force projects himself across the galaxy. Light years. Light years away. For an extended period of time, he has enough time to have a quiet chat with Leia. He's floating like a Shaolin monk. Like, is that not badass? Is that not good enough for you guys? That's pretty badass. That's real cool. Why is that not? I don't understand why that's not good enough for some people. <laughs> um, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to try to probably do one more pod before the end of the year. Maybe that's going to be the Powies. Actually, it'll probably maybe, maybe it'll be the first week of, of the new year. Um, just to let this one breathe a bit. Let us know what you guys think about Star Wars. If you don't like certain aspects about this movie, let us know. Try to be constructive with your criticisms, only because, one, that makes for a better conversation, but we really want to get into the mindset of what bothers people so much about this movie. Most people... If you want want to talk... Yeah. If you want to talk spicy, at me at at 10SIGH on Twitter. (laughs) That's... At Tensai, motherfuckers. If you want to talk spicy, you can catch his hands. If you didn't like this movie, go watch Jumanji. It's real. It's it's a popcorn (laughs) film. It's fun. It's funny. It's got The Rock. There's a lot of smoldering. It's it's a fun, dumb movie. And it's fun. And there's a lot of making fun of Kevin Hart. And Amy Pond is in it. That's not her real name. I belong, Pond. What is her name? Karen Gillian. Karen Gillian. And she's real great in it. Um, yeah. Don't take stuff so seriously, guys. Just have fun. May the force be with you always. Until then, the Fortress of Potitude is closed. Stay super, everyone. So long, guys. <laughs> <laughs>